Do you find yourself wishing you had more energy, healthier habits, or fun family activities? At the YMCA, you can find your passion, find family fun, and find your happy place, all while supporting your community. Join the Y in March with a $0 enrollment fee and enjoy motivating group exercise classes, heated pools, pickleball, and so much more. Visit YMCADC.org to learn more and to find your nearest Y in D.C., Maryland, or Virginia today. Live to tape. Welcome to Millennial Season 2, Episode 39. I'm Andrew. I'm Elisa. I'm Matt. And Laura is not here this week, but subbing for Laura is our friend Pam. Welcome back, Pam. Hey, guys. Hey. 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 Nice to be back. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we absolutely. Only, we only know women. You only we, know needed, women. <laughs> we needed a fresh perspective on the show, I yes. think. Everyone was kind of getting tired of Laura's shit, so. So we got another female on the show. So, yeah. Beautiful. Um, so just so everyone knows, we are releasing this episode on Thursday, October 20th, but we, but we are recording before the final presidential debate happens. So there won't be any discussion of that in here. However, we're actually going to be delaying this week's after dark a little bit. Um, we will be releasing that either late Thursday or Friday, and that will have are some of our thoughts on the third and final presidential debate. It looks like right now it's going to be um, Elisa and myself, and we'll probably get listener feedback involved somehow. And uh, then we'll have more the next week. So just just so everybody knows, nobody's wondering, we will be and touching now, on it a little bit. Everybody who was listening has just Tuned turned out. off the show. Oh. They're all gone. Because why would you want to listen to this show if we're not talking about how Hillary Clinton passed out live on stage and how her poll numbers have suddenly (gasps) plummeted? Spoilers, Andrew. (laughs) Gosh. I want to listen to the next episode. (laughs) Okay, bye, everybody. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) Well, that would be disappointing if Hillary passed out, but... Elisa's pretty disappointed in something else, aren't you, Elisa? (laughs) (laughs) That was a nice segue there. I am disappointed, guys. So I'm sure everyone's heard Fantastic Beasts, the new like Harry Potter saga, is now going to be split into five movies. Originally, I think it was only going to be two or three, right? Three, yeah. I think it was, yeah. It was, yeah. So it was going to be a trilogy. Now they've announced it's going to be five movies. And I'm kind of, I'm just, I feel so done with this, guys. I'm not kidding. Why? It's not exciting to you? More from J.K. Rowling's Wizarding World? But we haven't even seen the first one yet. Um, We've talked about this before, and I don't want to beat a dead horse, but I I was all for the Fantastic Beasts movies. I thought, okay, great. We're going to get greater depth into the universe. I know that they're tying in the Deathly Hallows a bit. So, you know, the lore was going to be fantastic. It all looked fine. I was on board when it was just a couple movies. Three movies even at the time seemed a bit like a stretch, but I was I was trying to put faith into the fact that they put some plot behind it. Five movies? 
this feels like they're just really milking it now. I feel insulted. I feel like they're just really just get it, like getting us for all we're fucking worth. Because let's be real, as frustrated as I am, of course I'm going to see those last two. Of yeah. course I am. And you're saving for Saturday. You don't have you don't you don't want to spend all this money on five freaking movies and the merchandise and the popcorn. Well, that's why I that's why I'm glad that they're like fucking years apart because it's gonna take me that long to save up to see one of them. Well, yeah, that's what I see. If if you go by the same uh, chronological order that they did filming for the first five Harry Potter movies, like we're not we're gonna see the the last movie in 2028 or something. Oh my god, we're gonna be so old. Yeah, I bet they'll be out every two years. Maybe they'll put two of them a year apart from one another. Maybe they'll film the final two back to back. I don't know, but um, I don't know. It makes it, me nervous because it seems kind of premature that they're just adding more and more movies to this franchise. It does seem strange that they're announcing five before we see how the box office is for the first one. That is that's genuinely surprising, but. Obviously, J.K. Rowling has an idea in mind. She she has said she is going to write all five of these movies. So this is her brainchild start to finish. And for that reason, I actually don't think it's a cash grab. Like we saw with um, Cursed Child expanding as they were writing it, she's decided that there is more story here. And clearly at this point, this is going to be a story about uh, the Wizarding War involving Dumbledore and Grindelwald. And I think it's extremely likely now that we're going to be seeing uh, them with prominent roles. I don't even think later in the series they're going to be called Fantastic Beasts and blank. I think they're going to pivot completely. And I, I But I do think Newt will be involved. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll, see, we'll I, see what happens. I will say the one saving grace here is that they're sort of kind of prequels, and I appreciate that. I'd rather it be showing us the history of the Harry Potter universe and how things led up to mm -hmm. Harry Potter than adding more onto the story just in a vain attempt to keep things going. So at least it just gives us, you know, depth of knowledge of the universe, like, I, I can deal I can deal with that. There is part of me that like the conspiratorial part of me that wonders, is this just a way for them to keep the theme parks relevant? Like are they yeah. just trying to put out a lot more material so that all the hype around the wizarding world, which godly knows how much money they poured into. Yeah. So that the wizarding mm -hmm. worlds stay current and relevant. Like, does that occur to anybody else? That's that's uh, right. But Warner Brothers be, yeah. is also trying to create major franchises here that last for a long period of time. They have already said that their three pillars right now are the Wizarding World, Lego, and um, Justice League. So those those are their three. And this is these five probably are not the last five Wizarding World movies. To be uh, honest you think with she's you, she's going to go into something else I, like yeah. the Marauders. I do Maybe. like the idea, though, of this not being like the five movies not being just solely following Newt and yeah. his journey. Like maybe the next film will be a different title entirely. It will yeah. just be five movies that are going to be part of this like this saga of the Wizarding World. That that I, I could be more I, I, I could be more open and accepting of. That's a good point, because, like, obviously we haven't heard a lot about the Wizarding War, but we've heard about it in passing, and I've never, I don't remember hearing, like, Newt's name intertwined with anything. 
So it is, I'm, I'm kind of intrigued to see like how she's going to weave that in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Elisa, isn't another saving grace that JK Rowling's writing all these movies? You said the one saving grace is that it's a, it's a prequel. I would have felt that way perhaps a bit more before Cursed Child, but I, that really killed my faith. I know she didn't write Cursed Child, but she gave the go ahead for the plot, right? She gave, she, she green, she greenlit the, the themes and like the Mm -hmm. general, this is what's going to happen. And I, I don't even know like what she was smoking that day when that happened, but, um, yeah, that's just, listen, 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 that's the, we should but hold on we should to be fair you still haven't read the script book right i haven't read all of it i read i read pages but only excerpts okay um but yes that's true i have not read all of it all right. in any case i i like i said i'm gonna see the movies i'm supportive of them in general i just think five is stretching it a bit thin a bit early yeah right exactly especially after what happened with the hobbit i mean that just went down the gutter and justice league hasn't really been that well received yet the suicide squad was a disaster even after people were so excited about it batman versus superman was a disaster i mean i thought suicide squad was going to turn things around for them but the fact that it did so bad critically and i guess box office probably did fine but um so who knows what wonder woman is going to be like next year (sighs) <sighs> I know. I anyway. Know. That's, yeah, we'll see. You know who else has kind of gone down in the gutter? God, I, people are going to hate me for this, but Lady Gaga. I We all love Lady Gaga. Everybody's got their favorite Gaga songs. Like, like I said this to my friend the other day. I feel like Bad Romance is Lady Gaga's Born to Run. Like, that's her, that perfect, perfect song. Everyone will always treasure Bad Romance. And uh, so, you know, she had these original albums, The Fame, The Fame Monster, very, very good. Born This Way was very good as well. Um, and then Art Pop came out and people were like, oh, okay, this is fine. This is good. And then she went and had like this affair with Tony Bennett and did this Cheek to Cheek album and they went on tour. That was 2014. Jesus. Okay. And And now here we are. We are at Joanne. This is her new album that comes out on friday she's released a couple songs already perfect illusion million reasons and a-ok ayo ayo (laughs) um i i listened to the leaked album and it's fine it's but it's it's lacking any like major gaga classics i think my two favorite songs are million things and give me a million reasons like that's that's a good song and then Hey Girl, who which features Florence from Florence and the Machine. Florence Welsh, really? Yeah. That's awesome. Pam, what do you think? I know you, you listened to it, the leaked album. Wink, I wink. Did. I was not expecting what we got. Um, although I don't know why, because Gaga had been saying that she was going to completely reinvent herself for this. I mean, at the end of the day, she looks, I guess, more quote unquote normal. But Joanne is just another personality that she's undertaking right um yeah. I, I think that the thing that threw me off was that this was much more rooted in like americana and the idea of americana music than i thought it was going to be because if you like listen to the tracks like she plays a lot with folk and she plays a lot with r&b and and it's not like like most of these songs you can't imagine being played at a club which is kind of what is synonymous with gaga music like before you would come to gaga listen 
because you want to have a good time. Yeah. And Joanne is like much more serious than that. So I am intrigued to see how the public is going to react to this. What I think Gaga does really well is that she is a storyteller. So I do commend her for the um, like she's it's it's like probably one of the most cohesive albums she's put out just mm. in terms of like mm-hmm. lyrics and things like that, because she really did stick to this idea of like, you know, telling a story of, of, right. of Joanne, who um, I guess like suffered a lot more than than she probably did since, you know, she came from an affluent um, household and stuff like that. But um, I do agree that like Million Things and Hey Girl, they're really, really great songs. Uh, Come to Mama is really nice. It's got a nice message. I liked that. Um, I think that you'll be able to find a couple songs that you like if you're like a casual Gaga fan. But yeah. I think most of this is going to be really kind of a bit of a shock. Yeah. Like, what, what, what do you mean, though, like a shock? Because like uh, we I mean, we know that she has been like for, I would say, at least five plus years, she's been trying to move away from the Lady Gaga that we knew in like 2008. Um, it's missing but... it, art, art, art flop. And this <laughs> are missing, are missing their own born this way, their own uh, poker I, face. It doesn't, okay. It's not that it's just, it is like, um, it's not really top 40 material. Like I think that, that got people consider Gaga to be a hit maker. If you like, she has some ballads like speechless is one of my all time favorite songs that she's ever right, done. Right. But even that is like, it's very like, um, you listen to it and it's like an instant hit. Like, uh, Joanne, uh, yeah, Joanna is, um, a, Joanne is another ballad that she has on here. It's very like stripped down. It's just, I think she played a lot more with like, with the idea of folk music in this. And, and so mm-hmm. just because of that, it might not be what people are expecting, despite the fact that she has been saying that this is going to be different. Like she was very influenced by, um, the time that she spent on like American Horror Story and things like that. So uh, obviously mm-hmm. she has been influenced to go this route, but I am kind of more intrigued to see if she sticks with this or if she kind of uses this as a, as a platform to like leap off in a different direction. I mean, she's had great, she's had amazing reception, though, for the Cheek to Cheek tour that she did with Tony Bennett. I mean, she's an, she, there's no doubt that she is an amazing singer. So I think that she is trying to give, like, show more substance to her music. And that's not really what the general public sees her as. Right. Necessarily, they see her as someone who comes out with these. Um, you know, they, they still, they still see her as this, uh, of the born this, or born this way or the fame monster artist. And she's, you know, she's trying to reinvent herself, but you know, she'll go back to it though. And one day she'll have her, I mean, she, her she will have fame like, album, but I mean, she never really, I mean, she had applause and I'm sure that she, we will hear so some, um, some more of those kind of hits, but like, Ugh. well, applause reminded me a lot of like the born this way album, but I just, I just don't think that we should expect that each album from a certain artist should be the same from the previous one no i i agree no i yeah i totally agree i think i think it's just like okay so for example like taylor swift was like um she was very rooted in country um and then she Mm -hmm. like slowly eased this into this idea that she was going to go pop when she released uh we are never ever getting back together and i think that the thing about gaga is that she didn't really like transition us because everybody kind of assumed that this whole thing with tony bennett was a one-off thing that she was going right. to do. She's going to come back and be Gaga. So I think that that's like what I'm getting at. Not that she can't reinvent herself, because I think that that is 
one of the things that makes artistry and music so beautiful is like yeah. the possibility of being able to do that. But yeah, I think I was I was kind of hoping that she'd come back and and uh, like build off of Born This Way almost. Well, yeah. she might. I mean, yeah. like Lady Gaga in comparison to Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift is not does not surprise us. Like she does she does not do anything really surprising without letting us know. Lady Gaga is spontaneous as 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 an artist we've as as we've seen. Stars. Like she will yeah, she will go to the opposite side of the spectrum at any second. And that's half the reason why a lot of us love her. And or her but, fans and, love and her. I will say that like the lyrics, like some of the lyrics in here are really, really nice. Like she's got yeah. this line in uh Diamond Heart, which is the first track off the album. Am I allowed to talk about that or, or Yeah, go ahead, know? whatever. Yeah, talk about it. Um, like it's probably it's gonna come out when it's released. <laughs> There's a line where she says, uh, some man broke me in, wrecked all my innocence. I'll just keep go going. And this dance is on you. Like, I think that um, once people listen to it, like they'll hear the music first and then you'll go back and like really appreciate like the stories that she's trying to tell in these songs. And I think that that's probably the most impressive part about this whole album. Yeah, I think I think you're right. The the lyrics did surprise me in, in good ways there. Um, okay, well, enough about Gaga. Her new album comes out soon. I'm um, sorry to anybody I insulted who loved Art Flop. I mean, Art Pop. I actually loved Art Pop. GUY is a great no, song. shut up, shut up. I loved Aura, Venus, and Guy. That's it, though. I mean, the, the Jewels and Drugs was terrible. So was Swine. What about Dope? No, don't like Dope. Uh, oh, Gypsy was good, too. Nine, my, 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 Elisa, why don't we turn to some more serious topics? Enough of this banter about Lady Gaga. I was gonna say, let's let's um, talk about something a bit more uplifting than a failing pop artist, and turn <laughs> our attention instead to Iraq, because what could be more uplifting than that? The battle for Mosul, and I'm surprised that this has actually been covered by the news lately, given how much they're just trying to cover the election. Um, but Mosul, of course, being one of the largest and most prominent cities in Iraq. Now, you guys might remember a couple of years ago, in 2014, ISIS took over Mosul. And that was huge because up until that point, ISIS was sort of just this horrible and potent terrorist group, but they didn't have any authoritarian control. And when they took over Mosul, that really established them as an actual state power. And they started calling themselves a caliphate because they took over Mosul. Now, the caliphate basically means what they're saying there is that they're claiming control and authority over Muslims worldwide, not just in Iraq, not just in the Middle East, but worldwide. They see themselves as the authority. And when they took over Mosul, it really gave them a sort of statehood-like power. Because now they controlled a huge, important city. Well, Iraqi troops are now trying to take it back. Finally, two years later, it's only Iraqi troops on the ground. The United States has not sent in ground troops. However, we are supporting them from the air. Um, we sent over a ton of Apache helicopters. We're helping them with intelligence gathering. We're, we're helping them with uh, just resources and giving them firearms Um been bombing the shit out of <laughs> ISIS. In seriousness, we've been bombing the shit out of ISIS's underground network. One of the ways that they've been able they've been able to control Mosul is by digging tunnels underground, so that when anyone bombs them, they run underneath 
like fucking gophers and hide under there. Um, but we brought in the Apache helicopters and said, fuck that. And we've just been bombing all of their tunnels. So this is a really big deal, guys. I mean, it's only been unfolding for the past couple of days. They just The Iraqi troops just started invading three days ago, and U.S. air support just arrived today. But um, So we're not entirely sure how it's going to play out, but so far it's looking, it's looking pretty good. Uh, cool. We've seen pictures. We've seen uh, pictures of, of ISIS fleeing Mosul. But the problem is they can't just take over Mosul. They have to make sure to get the surrounding villages too. Because if if ISIS is able to control surrounding villages and they're just going to regroup and take the city over again a few months from now. So that's what's going on. I want people to pay attention to this for obvious reasons because we're involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, surprise, we're not out of the Middle East yet. And because this is the kind of thing, these are the kinds of questions we should be asking of our presidential candidates. I think we talk about the presidency and, you know, them being commander in chief. We need to remember that this is what we're talking about. This is what's on the line. The, the, the decision whether or not to send ground troops or any support whatsoever, just the strategy that mm-hmm. it takes, it takes a really singular mind to, to be able to do that. And so I think this is, this is relevant to the election in a different kind of way than we're used to hearing. Well, I'm still hoping to hear about Bill Clinton's um, abandoned son during the debate. But sure, this sounds like something that's important as well. <laughs> I think I'm relevant. I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I uh, go go Iraq. Um, and it would also kind of hurt ISIS's ego, wouldn't it? For yeah, them to I was going to say, like, territory. how big of a blow would this be if uh, the Israeli troops, or I'm sorry, Israeli, the uh, the Iraqi troops uh, take uh, liberate Mosul? Yeah, it would be a really huge blow to them because, like I said, they're, this has been like their kind of claim to fame, you know, like this was their, this was what made, this was what put them on the map, so to speak, in terms of being a proper power that needs to be dealt with and has been feared. I mean, from Mosul is really where they started plotting and strategizing their takeover of Syria. And now, of course, we see what's happening in Syria. They've completely embattled the country. And we have, you know, millions of Syrian refugees. Um, so Mosul was really the beginning of all of that in some ways. So for them to lose that would be huge and a great, a great fucking thing, needless to say. It's exciting. Yeah. I'm, it makes me nervous, though. It does yeah. me, too. It does me, too. Um, I, I have to say, like, I, it feels good to be invested in something that genuinely matters. <laughs> And that isn't just, you know, banter between the presidential candidates. Like, mm-hmm. as important as the election is, I think, like I said, this is why the election is important. And it's felt good to see the news covering something, um, yeah. you know, historic and and substantive. Yeah. Right. Like, the country does not stop working during the presidential election. Mm-hmm. Like, the world doesn't out, stop. I want to point out quickly, too, like... Like ISIS, we haven't seen shit bags like this in our lifetime. I mean, yeah. Al Qaeda was really fucking bad. ISIS broke off from Al Qaeda because they weren't fundamentalist yeah, enough. They were too extreme, them. is what I think they said. ISIS was too extreme for Al Qaeda. ISIS, the way that a lot of people describe ISIS 
uh, versus Al-Qaeda is that for Al-Qaeda, violence was just a means to an end. They used it uh, to, to make a point or to achieve a political goal. Um, for ISIS, they do it just to do it. They're sick fucks. They're sick psychopaths. And the fact that they are claiming a caliphate, that somehow they think that they have authority over Muslims across the globe... I mean, that just, that smacks of, like, some serious, like, globalization takeover shit. So, I'm I'm happy. I'm happy for Iraq. I, I'm cheering them on, hoping for the best. And I'm sure we'll follow up on this story in the weeks to come. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Sounds good. So, little life topic here. I'm always attracted to those stories about the millennials, about we kids. And the New York Times is doing this nice series of articles aimed at, quote, helping you navigate life's opportunities and challenges. So they did this one about eight health habits experts say you need in your 20s. This is the New York Times. This isn't Cosmopolitan magazine. You know, this is like you take this with a little you take this a little more seriously than you would what you read on the cover of Cosmo. Anyway, I wanted to talk about these, see if you all agree. Have you has besides Andrew has any of you has any of us read this article yet? Because maybe we can guess <laughs> what they're going to advise. Well, yeah. All right. So I assume you haven't read it. So what do you think they're going to advise? Um, I am going to say learn how learn how to cook. Absolutely. Okay, you um, totally cheated. Like, <laughs> no, I absolutely know that because it's one of the only things that it's one of the things that they always say. All these things say the same thing. Okay, you need to know how to how to how to balance your your budget. You need to stop. Well, there's not, nothing that junk food. Well, ahead. yes, cut back on sugar. All right, you know what? Forget this story. Forget it. No, okay? no, continue. I'm just no. I'm just being a dick. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. How about? Okay, so the first the first thing that you actually wrote in here was weigh yourself often. And I was like, what? That's what? no. Yeah, exactly. That's really interesting. Uh, That's like no. the opposite of what everybody tells you to do. Well, then you go crazy. Exactly. That's why I everyone used, has Xanax. I used to weigh this. At, right, right, right. That's why everybody <laughs> is having anxiety. I actually used to weigh myself every day, and I didn't like it because it can be stressful. It's it's uh it's not. I don't think it's that good, but um. <clears throat> Susan Roberts, professor of, nutri- professor of nutrition at Tufts University, says that weighing yourself often is important because it's easier to get rid of three to five pounds and much harder to get rid of 20. So I don't think she's advising weigh yourself every day, but maybe once a week, and then you can see the larger trends happening. Or you focus on the smaller the smaller trends or the smaller amount of, of weight as opposed to... Right. Do think about the whole picture because if you only gain three to five pounds not that that is necessarily a bad thing but maybe that's three to five pounds every few weeks obviously that starts adding up over time i know when i first moved out to california i i started eating like a typical college kid and i put on about 50 pounds and i just didn't realize it i wasn't weighing myself i wasn't i don't know you see yourself every day you don't notice anything different and then one day i did i did weigh myself and i was like oh my god what happened that's but we why did eat a lot of Chick-fil-A. Yeah, I still eat a lot of Chick-fil-A, but I also work out <laughs> now. That's the difference. Uh, Matt said learn to cook. That is an obvious one, right? Because you save money. You usually eat better. Yeah, and uh, and it forces you also to just be more organized, I think, because you have yeah. to follow a recipe and stuff. Yeah, I, I, I fully agree with that. I think everyone needs to know at least how to cook and maybe some 
like go to recipes for whenever you need like something yeah. fast. It's also good. I kind of realized this a couple of weeks ago. It's nice to just put down technology and ac- actually look at real live objects for a little while and work and with your hands. And then kill it and then cook it, then eat it. Oh, well, I mean, I'm not saying go hunting, but <laughs> I'm talking about, you know, cut up the onions, <laughs> grate the cheese. <laughs> you took yeah, that to a like... whole different fucking place. Like, we're just yeah. trying to learn how to chop an onion. We're not right. trying to, like, skin a fucking goat. What the <laughs> hell is wrong with you? How do you cook you... your food, Matt? Do you, uh... Well, I mean, they're dead no, before now. I cook it. Um, I mean, I no, I mean, I, I I cook a lot though. I I try to do like at least a couple of new recipes every week. Um, yeah, I just made gnocchi for the first time tonight. And oh, I love gnocchi. It. I haven't made it, but yeah, it's it's a lot to do. I mean, it's I I I don't know. Sometimes I just give up halfway and then order a pizza. <laughs> Cut back on sugar. We won't get into that one. Live an active life. That one's pretty obvious as well. But um, I think it really does have to become a lifestyle, living an active life. Going to the gym almost daily. Uh, yeah. Walking but even places. even so that, like, I think I think what you said, Andrew, after that, uh, walking and stuff, like, doing doing things that aren't routine really, really influence your body, too, and your system, from what, yeah. I, from what I gather. Like, it's it's really good to kind of change it up. Well, the other thing is, too, is um, I think that once you get into your late 20s, like you you have a real job, you're not doing retail anymore. So most likely you're like sitting all day long. And I think that that's when you kind of need to remember, like, I'm not as active as I was in college because I'm not walking from here, there, everywhere. I'm sitting at a desk. So I need to make the conscious effort to, like, go outside or take the stairs Mm -hmm. or do something. Because, like, when I first moved out to LA, too, it was like the first time I was at a desk job nine to five, you know, Mm -hmm. every day. And it was like, oh, I'm not doing anything. I need to start like walking or something. So yeah, yeah. I'm in keeping track of the number of things that I actually do from this list. I'm not getting very far. Oh, not one of them yet. Does that mean I'm like failing my twenties? <laughs> no, does, no. It? There's it there's does. there's unique ways to live an active life, Elisa. Yeah. Wait, Elisa, you know how to cook? We made a a caprese salad. Yeah, that was literally taking hunks of cheese and drizzling shit on top of it. I don't think that you know, counts. Elisa, I met a my, I met a, my brother's ex-girlfriend. I asked her if she had a signature dish and she says she makes really good bagels. And I thought she like, wow. you know, actually made them from scratch. And she was like, no, like I put them in a toaster and sometimes I put butter on them. Listen, Whoa. Whoa. joking. <laughs> Listen, wait, wait. Was she serious? No, she was I, dead serious. We're really glad we got rid of her. Mm-hmm. He got okay. rid of her. Yeah, but you know what? She's toasted. <laughs> Are you exactly. sure I'm not your brother's ex girlfriend? Because that completely sounds like something I. <laughs> I mean, if you get if you're drizzling, you're further than she is. I'm just gonna put it out there. <laughs> I could. Right. I could toast a mean bagel, guys. Listen, guys. <laughs> seriously. I can't make a, one fuck of a sandwich. No one makes better microwave popcorn than me. <laughs> um, I recently I recently bought a, a bike, not a stationary bike, like a real bike. That's been nice to do inst- uh, instead of um, driving for short distances, like to the post office. And I keep track of it while, while with my Apple Watch, and then, then I burn you extra calories. Do you go to the calories. post office often? Yeah, I do. <laughs> Actually. Oh. Um... Oh, and I also bought a standing desk recently. (laughs) 
So this thing, it sits on top of your existing desk, and you pull it up. You may have seen the commercials for this. You pull it up, and then you're standing and you're typing. It's great. Uh, yeah. Uh, but it just helps instead of sitting all day. It's nice to like way to change up what you're doing. Anyway, I like this one from Barry Popkin, professor of global nutrition at University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. Adopt a post-party exercise routine. <laughs> well, what, what, wait. If you what engage in a lot of drinking and snacking, listen up, Matt, ensure you exercise a lot to offset all those extra calories from Friday to Sunday that come with extra drinking and eating. We found in a study that on Friday through Sunday, young adults consumed about 115 more calories than on other days, mainly from fat and alcohol. Wow, only an extra 115? I seriously eat probably an extra 1,000 well, on Saturdays and Sundays. I, think, I mean, an average, yes. But, um, yeah, uh, that totally makes sense. I, you, I don't need science to tell me that I eat more on the weekends. Wow, thanks for discrediting my whole segment, Matt. Sorry. <laughs> uh, just ask me. Well, when they first... <laughs> I, when when I first read this article, I thought they were going to talk about how, like, you need to hit the gym the morning after, even while you're still hungover or something like that. Final one. Uh, yeah. That's not happening, right, Elisa? I don't hit the gym ever, but let alone when I'm, I'm hungover. Yeah. I was I'm hungover. I hit McDonald's. What the fuck? It, I mean. Yeah. Fuck yeah. And the Diet Coke. Fuck, that's, well, maybe that's you my can whole walk to McDonald's next time. Yeah, but walk hydrate to McDonald's. first, you guys, because when you're hungover, you dehydrated. So don't go running. <laughs> I was in the gym in a New Orleans hotel on Sunday, and I was the only one there. And I Snapchatted at it. I said, "I'm all alone at the New Orleans gym on a Sunday morning." And somebody replies to me, "Of course, it's Sunday morning in New Orleans." I'm like, well, I don't know. Everyone's yeah, hungover. The right. Right, exactly. That's what they were implying, but uh, I don't know. I, I was a little surprised. Anyway, God I bless you all. Ones. May you all live in your in past your 20s. Uh, it's Did not looking fun? great for me right now, to be honest. It's not it's not looking great. I feel like between I feel like between this segment and me just trying to save for Saturday, I'm painting a really healthy picture <laughs> of myself for everybody out there. I have no money. But I will eat the shit out of some cheeseburgers and not exercise afterwards. Also, I'll drink. I was going to say, Lisa, earlier, you can you can live an active life in other ways by bouncing on things. <gasps> Sex. Riding. Yes. Yeah, that was the implication. Oh, God damn it, Matt. <laughs> you just, Sorry. you know, he's trying he's trying to hit on me and you can't let him. Can you give him some breathing room? Can you give Sorry. us some space? I got to excited. Let's see where well, this goes. Fine. Well, get off my dick. Jeez. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying to hump on his. All right. Let's move on. Okay. So, uh, more exciting news. I really, can I just say also, I really hate that I'm always the one that has to bring up such serious shit. <laughs> but this is positive news. Yeah, this is great. Oh, it's because no. you're the smart one, so we rely on you to drop the, the real info. That's so false. We that's are all so in true. deep trouble. <laughs> Such deep trouble if that's true. But okay, the Montreal Protocol. Hopefully you guys have heard a little bit about this. Um, Montreal Protocol, we've talked about before on the show, but quick refresher. It's the international treaty that was designed to limit substances that deplete the ozone layer, basically. 
Um, and, you know, every few years, there's like, well, depends on, on, you know, what's going on. But every few years, a decade, whatever, there's a conference of the parties, which basically means all the countries who are part of this treaty come together to amend it and hopefully make it better. Well, that just happened in Rwanda. 150 countries came together and agreed to start phasing out hydrofluorocarbons, HFCs. Now, you probably have never heard of them, but they're everywhere. They're ubiquitous. They're the chemicals that are used in refrigeration and air conditioning and in aerosols. And the problem with them is that they're a thousand times more potent than carbon dioxide, which means they burn through our ozone a thousand times faster than carbon dioxide. But we don't hear as much about them because they also don't last as long. Carbon stays in the atmosphere for fucking ever. Mm-hmm. This doesn't. This stuff kind of goes away relatively quickly. It's just very potent. Now, we have finally come together as a fucking world and agree that this is a bad fucking thing. And this new this new agreement for the Montreal Protocol is a big deal because it's going to eliminate between 80% to 85% of global levels of these chemicals by 2047. And the most important part about all of this is that it's binding. So we've talked before on the show that a lot of times we come together to talk about climate change and the environment, and everything's voluntary. Countries just get to stroll on up and say, yeah, I'll do this. But there's no legal mechanism that makes Mm -hmm. it binding. This is binding. The Montreal Protocol has always been and continues to be binding. If any country doesn't abide by it, there's a whole host of things that can happen to them, including trade sanctions. So there are really important measures in place that make sure to make sure that everyone stays above board here. The coolest part about it is that if everyone sticks to their goals, this could divert about a half a degree of all global warming. That's a half a degree Celsius. Or to put that in another way, 25% of the current goal that was set by the Paris Agreement. So about 25% of our global goal to cut back uh, on, on climate change. A quarter of climate change. That's that's the impact this could have. That's huge. One treaty, one thing that's going to cut back our impact, our climate change impact by 25%, it's a big deal. Yeah. It's funny, too, because it's kind of... um. It's kind of like a catch-22 or between a rock and a hard place when it comes to these chemicals because they're caused by by air conditioning. And, you know, the world's getting hotter every year. The average temperature goes up every year, so there's going to be more and more air conditioners. That's actually That was actually a point that was raised um, in Rwanda in the past week while they were talking about this. The problem with these sorts of treaties is always the developed world like the United States, France, Britain, etc., and the developing world, uh, like, for example, Rwanda. The problem comes with what you're saying, Matt, is that the developed world already has all these air conditioners, and so it's kind of easy for us. We have the money and the resources to scale back our use of chemicals, to invest in new chemicals and better chemicals, and to figure out you know, a way around this. We have the money and the time and the resources, but developing world developing countries rather, don't have that luxury. And so the developing world kind of looks around at us like these spoiled children thinking, okay, well, you want us to cut back on 
you know, air conditioners and refrigeration, but these things are really critical to us. And you've been using them for eons without any consequences. So it's easy for you to say, you know, sure, I'll cut them out now. We're still trying to catch up. We're mm-hmm. still trying to just keep our fucking food cold. So that was definitely, that was definitely a sticking point there. So, um, but they, they worked through it. Uh, in the end, um, what they decided is that developed countries like our own will have to start phasing down the use of these chemicals starting in three years. But developing countries like Rwanda will have a longer time before they have to start worrying about it. They don't have to freeze their levels of, of HFCs until 2024. So they came well, to a compromise. Yeah, that's that seems like a good compromise. I know that was all like a little in the weeds and whatever, but I trying to explain this in a way that's uh, you know. Well, no, I think you know, you, makes it. I think you explained it well. I think what I personally like about this and why I think it's it's a good move is because this will help slow down the overall rise. So even if there are other reasons that the temperature may be rising, at least at least this will help slow down that rise, rather than say reverse it. Mm-hmm. it's yeah. better it's not the best solution but it's better well and i also i also really liked uh, um a quote coming from um the organization one of the representatives saying that uh they're trying just really hard and aggressively to come up with these solutions uh because once it becomes like a problem for these developed countries they're going to want they're going to turn to them and want a uh a a remedy immediately so they're going to have to be prepared for when that question hits them right so. and i think i think the big takeaway here is that the montreal protocol works it's a it's proof that the world can come together to combat climate change in a way that is legally binding it's perfectly possible it's a great you know um mm-hmm. blueprint i guess for how we can move forward um, so, you know, the world isn't doomed. We're making progress. It's a great thing. Thank you, Al Gore. Thanks, Obama. Love Al Gore. He campaigned for Hillary the other day. thought that was nice. He did it in Florida. He was like, boy, do I know. Votes in Florida are important. <laughs> and so is, there, so is their coastline. If there's, any, if there's any place for Al Gore to be, it would be fucking Florida. Between... Between climate change, like destroying the Florida coast and, and uh, you know, his her- personal history there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And, and man bear pig. So bear pig. our final story before we jump into the Trumpster fire is, well, I guess this is a transition, really. This organization called The Garden has asked people to ask Canadians to... <laughs> soothe the ner- soothe the soothe soothe the nerves of Americans. Uh Canadians all got together to tell America why they think we're great. Everybody ready for this? Yeah. Whip I'm out ready. your dicks. We're about to get lubed up. Already out. What's up, America? Hey, guys. We're just up here in Canada talking about how great you guys are down there. And we thought we'd just send you a little bit of a love note. We're big fans. We like you guys. We know you've got some really big decisions to make. But as you're thinking about your future, we just want you to know that you guys are great. You really are great. You invented the internet. You guys (laughs) are going to get humanity to Mars. 
Your national park systems protect some of the most beautiful places on earth. All your diversity and all your openness. The fact that you're such a giving nation, over $250 billion a year is donated to charities. So wonderful and warm and accommodating. When things are tough, you fight to make them better. The disability rights movement in America is amazing. You are infectious, entertaining. Your gift to the world of jazz music. Bluegrass music, R&B. Biggie and pop. Political and social activism. Forging new paths. You dream big. Your quest to be the best creates the best. A land of opportunity where anyone can be anything they want to be. The vibrancy and diversity and the idea that we can all live together. You know, America, I think you're already great. You're great, America. We all love you, and we think you've always been great. Thanks, America. I think you're great. Stay great, America. Oh, man. Wow. I'm hard. Um... But it's it's very it's very much it's very Canadian of them to do that. Sounded like an Apple commercial. It really did. I thought the same thing. I, I was like, "Is this the new iPad?" <laughs> well, they can thank us for that too. Actually, oh. yeah, we created I, the internet and Apple. There you go. Well, thanks, Canada. Um, I like how the first thing they think of is, "Well, listen, you created the internet, and those are some dank fucking memes you got there. So thanks for that. <laughs> you got <laughs> created the internet. <laughs> you know what I want to listen to? America, fuck yeah. Okay. I couldn't I find it. I think it's hysterical. This was this was kind of smart, though. This was kind of smart politically because you know the whole obviously make America great again thing." It's kind of nice to just to have someone say, no, 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 just fucking chill. You're fine. You're fine just how you are. Let's yeah. not turn back the clock. Yeah. Nothing's we, happened. We should return the favor to Canadians. What do you mean? We should let them know why they are great. Oh, okay. Mm. Okay. Let me turn on some sexy music so we can set the mood right. Return the favor of getting me aroused. Get some rose petals on the bit. I think Canada is great because they have a hot as hell prime minister. Ooh, yeah. Primes my butthole up every damn day that I search for him on Google Images. Oh. <laughs> I also really love that wet, salty poutine. Mmm. I still haven't tried it yet, but that's what I assume it, it tastes like. I love Anything how else, y'all? healthy Canadians are. Is that true? I think so. Elisa, your turn. It was this was your idea for a second. You're putting us in an awkward position, Elisa. It's your turn. I usually can handle any position. I was gonna tell Canada they can come on down south and eat my poutine whenever they want. Yo. Get a flu shot. (laughs) I love that. Sticky, sugary maple syrup when it just runs down my waffles. 
Hey, Canada. Um, Canada. <laughs> Some sexy universal health care you got there. Mm. I'm really feeling your brand of socialism. I love feeling your warm, buttery Tim Horton donuts in my mouth. But <laughs> well, <laughs> not, not so much the bag of milk. That's weird. Yeah, that's kind of weird. But I'll bag your milk anytime. I'll spank it. You don't have to. You, you don't have to apologize for anything, Canadians, other than your bag of milk. That's the only thing. That and the fact that uh, you took the hottest prime minister. We'll even forgive you for Justin Bieber. We'll even forgive you for Celine Dion. Uh, okay, bitch. Now, <laughs> can calm down. Well, I came like three times during that. Well, we didn't do it for very long. <laughs> Pam, I'm sorry you had to deal with that. I I can't right now. I'm okay. just, you know, so hot and bothered. I just can't. Mm-hmm. can't <laughs> Wash your hands. She lost the ability to even. Okay, let's get to Trumpster Fire. It's hard to believe, but there's only about like three weeks left of this. Thank God. There may be more than three weeks if Trump starts complaining about a certain aspect of the election, post-election. Right, Elisa? Yeah, that's for fucking serious. So he keeps going off about um, this, this idea that we have rigged elections. That's what Trump's new narrative is. And he's sort of hinted at this all along throughout the the uh, campaign. But he's really turning up the heat now. I think ever since Republicans started abandoning him after the leaked audio tape or the leaked videotape, rather, he started saying that the elections were rigged. And I think it's because he realized in that moment that he's definitely going to lose. Yeah. And he needs a scapegoat, right? He needs a scapegoat. I mean, he's a winner. Like, he has a winning temperament. Listen, believe me. Believe me. I'm going to win, okay? Like, so if he loses, he has to have something to fall back on. He has to have an excuse. And this is the perfect excuse unless you love America and democracy. Because calling our elections into question is so heinous it's so outrageously irresponsible in some ways it bothers me more than anything else he has said because other things are are not going to necessarily upend you know the foundation of our republic but if he convinces enough people that these elections are rigged i mean we're really looking at some potential backlash afterwards like Mm -hmm. that yeah, I, I don't want to. I don't know what, and hopefully it's nothing. But I mean, this is how this is how like you know this is how like wars and revolutions begin is people claiming that there's not true free democracy. Yeah, and, you know, and which is which is funny in a time where we are really operating in a post-truth era. Like Trump just says so much bullshit, uh, and then he's going to complain that the election is rigged too. Can we play real quick? I'm going to let my bias get in here. There's this clip. Uh, Bruce Springsteen got interviewed. Mr. American Hero. Uh, he's on a book tour right now. And this clip has gone viral today with his thoughts on Trump's and the whole rigged election thing. The trouble at the moment is is you have Donald Trump who is 
talking about rigged elections. And he's not, he has a feeling he's going to lose now, which he, of course he is going to lose. You're confident? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's going to lose. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's and going to lose. <laughs> uh, he knows that. He knows he's going to lose. And he's such a flagrant, <laughs> toxic narcissist that he wants to take down the entire democratic system with him if he goes. If he could reflect on these things, maybe he'd have... Uh, but he's such an unreflective person. And uh, he doesn't... He simply has no sense of decency and no sense of responsibility about him. And the words that he's been using over the past several weeks really are an attack on the entire democratic process. And is that dangerous? Yeah, it is. I think it's very dangerous. I hugged this guy. I hugged him. So that's been going on. It's really sad. And also, just to add for the record that people like Marco Rubio and Paul Ryan have are both disagreeing with Trump very publicly. They're saying they have complete faith in, in our system, and it's not rigged at all. They still haven't rescinded their endorsement of him, though. <laughs> right. Well, let's so. see what he does in the next two weeks i suppose i don't know it just seems like each week he has another like another platform or another thing to blame somebody for i mean like now his wife goes on and starts to uh to say that it was that that her husband's the victim in all of this yeah it's ridiculous yeah well and that Uh that and and that's true. Melania Trump actually just spoke out for the first time since I think the Republican convention, guys. Am I getting that right? I don't I think, think so. Heard since from her since yeah. her her original speech. Yeah, she gave she gave that big speech at the RNC and then and then she was accused, you know, well, proven that her speech had been plagiarized yeah. and she kind of just disappeared into the ether for a while but she just gave a new interview with anderson cooper and i i I don't know what i was expecting to be honest but not that not that i guess she the thing that shocked me was that she blamed billy bush for that video that we saw where trump talks about sexually assaulting women yeah. Um she says yeah. that Billy Bush egged her husband on. Yeah, let's and that it was just boy talk and she's forgiven him. It was inappropriate, but it was just boy talk and then she blames Billy Bush. I mean, I don't okay. Like if you forgive your husband, fine, that's one thing. That's between you and your husband, but don't try and make excuses for it. Billy Bush didn't egg anybody on number one. Number two, even mm-hmm. if he had, well, he, Real tough fucking president we're going to have then, aren't we? Yeah, I was just going to say, like, she, that does more harm than good to, to her husband because it just says that he's easily influenced by a fucking entertainment presenter. Right. It's so funny, though, because they both have the same excuse. Like, Billy Bush says that he was just reacting to Trump, who was egging him on, and then now Melania is saying that Trump was reacting to Billy. So, like, but they both should have known better because, one, they were old enough, and two, they've been in the public eye for so long it doesn't it doesn't matter yeah well yeah they're famous so like he said himself you could do whatever you want and so they think they can do whatever they want without any repercussions it it's just crazy how billy bush has been fired from the today show over this he's gone this was his career so stupid the reason he had to go is because the today show a lot of women watch that and they can't and, and they would be pissed they were pissed well, yeah, there's no way that they were going to keep him. Like, the, that's just bad business. Yeah. Did, did you guys watch the Melania? 
interview? Um, I did. I, do you, I watched a do you want me to play a part of it? Of it? You, we kind of recapped it, so I don't know if it'd be rehashing. No, go, go for it. Fuck okay, it. here's Melania. When you first saw it, when you first heard it, what did you think? I... I said to my husband that, you know, the language is inappropriate. It's not acceptable. And um, I was surprised because that is not the man that I know. And as you can see from the tape, uh, the cameras were not on. It was only a mic. And I wonder um, if they even knew that the mic was on because they, they were kind of a, a boy talk, and uh, he was lead on, like uh, egg on, from uh, the host to say um, dirty and bad stuff. You, you feel the host, Billy Bush, was sort of egging him on? Yes, yes. Is that language you had heard him use before? No, no, that's why I was surprised, uh, because I said, like, I don't know that person that would talk that way, and uh, that he would say that kind of a stuff in private. I heard many different stuff, uh, boys talk. I, uh, the boys, that the way they talk when they grow up and they want to um, uh, sometimes show each other, oh, this and that, and talking about the girls, and, but, um, uh, yeah, I, w I was surprised, of course. There's a moment in that interview later where Anderson goes, well, he's 50. He was 59 when that happened. <laughs> She's like, uh, but yeah. So much and... to ask. <laughs> anyway, uh, Melania, man, she's been through the ringer this election. I feel bad for her. But she told she... you not to feel bad for her, remember? Uh, whatever. I still feel um, bad. And stuff. And stuff. So, you know, the, the thing about this interview that, like, almost made me spit out my coffee when I was watching was she said she wanted to combat um, social media negativity. Oh, yeah. That's, like the big platform that she'd like to conquer if she were. Yeah, first, first lady. lady? It's like, like so what? ironic. Yeah. It's like the first the first thing she does for that right. is what? She's going to uh, have side, to mute she's her gonna, husband. She's going to delete her husband's Twitter account. Right. Yeah. She's He's just going to have to like never speak, basically. So... One of the uh, the people people magazine writer who one of the people who she was one of the people who accused Trump of mm -hmm. misconduct. Um, Trump denied her report. They've been busy denying a lot of reports. And now people responded, said, oh, yeah, well, here you go, Trump. They lined up six people to corroborate the story on Tuesday, uh, including people the woman spoke to that night and that week. So in other words, they're 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 proving, if we believe these people, six people, that yes, he did do these things to this to to this people writer. Great, good for people. Yeah, it's a good response because Trump was pooping all over them, of course, after this, and pooping on that 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 woman who we allegedly did something yeah. with. Oh, God. So, oh, okay, done, guys. so the debate's upon us. Um, Obama, it, or, sorry, not Obama, Trump is bringing Obama's Kenyan-born half-brother, Malik Obama, to the debate, as well as Patricia Smith, the mother of Sean Smith, who died in the 2012 attack in Benghazi, Libya. You may remember Patricia Smith, uh, Smith, I think she had one of the most striking speeches at the RNC. She was very critical of Hillary Clinton 
And it's hard to watch something like that. What you're watching, you're watching a mother talk about her son and how mm-hmm. she blames Hillary for it. Like that, that's very hard to watch. Now, Patricia, Patricia Smith isn't going to be up on this debate stage. So it doesn't really mean anything, but it's just, it's just Trump playing these stupid mind games or just trying to go down in the history books as being the biggest idiot who's ever run for president. There's also a report that um, the abandoned son of President Bill Clinton will announce a filing of a paternity lawsuit today, shortly before the debate. Now, Trump has already announced a live stream before the debate. Uh, you may remember he brought out the Clinton accusers last time. Now, looks like he's going after he's he's going to bring the abandoned son of President Bill Clinton. Yeah, you know, the this, world is, stage. this is just reprehensible behavior for any human, but particularly someone who's trying to lead a country, any country. I don't care if it's Angola. I don't care a, 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 any country. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I don't get about this, well, two things. Number one, I feel compelled to point out hypocrisy. The Trump campaign, every time you bring up that tape, um, or anything that Trump has ever said or done in his life, they always say, listen, the voters don't care about this. The voters care about the issues. Let's talk about the issues. Let's talk about policy. Let's talk about how we're going to help Americans. Okay, fine. So fucking talk about those things. But they don't. Instead, they pull stunts like this. So I just want to point out that they don't, not that anybody was, but don't listen to that bullshit because they're only trying to divert your attention away. From Trump being, you know, uh, fucking misogynist and a racist and everything. And it else. works though. Uh, well, well I mean, for a, yeah, I mean, I mean, it works to. I mean, the the supporters like they they don't need evidence. They just want to hear what they what they're trying to hear. And once it's said, they're going to back it up one hundred percent because they want it to be true. And you know, that's the scariest part because at the end of the day, even if he loses, like he's already planted all of these seeds in so much of the population that that is what scares me the most kind of like the ramifications of the aftermaths of everything because Mm -hmm. it's okay to question things but to blindly question when you like when you shouldn't because it's so ridiculous it can't possibly like be true it's like that's where the problem's gonna lie exactly yeah and i wonder what they're playing at with bringing President Obama's half brother here. I- I've been thinking that about one's this confusing. all day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've yeah. been thinking about this all day. Like, what do you think, Andrew? What's it, what do you? Why would they do that? Because that's not related to Hillary Clinton at all. Not even by proxy. It's not even related to Bill or her family. It's just Obama. Yes. He gonna... Okay. So here's what I think it is, and it actually relates to somebody else. I didn't mention her. Sarah Palin has also been invited to tonight's debate. This was also breaking like within the past hour. My thinking is with the half brother and with Sarah Palin, these are two people that Trump has kind of fought with over the past week. Uh, Obama told, sorry, yeah, yeah, Obama told Trump to quit lying to, st- or no, stop whining. He said that in a speech the other day, picked up lots of attention. Um, and then in regards to Sarah Palin, Trump and McCain kind of had a little fight over the past week as well. That's the that's the only thing I can think of as to why these two would be showing up. <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah, Obama did say 
Trump needs to stop whining about the rigged elections and just start appealing for votes. Um, and, and everyone went crazy because, of course, it's true. The I, I like that theory. My The other thought here, and, and I hate to be this conspiratorial about it and, and whatever, but for, for Donald Trump, I wouldn't put it past him. My other thought here is I'm wondering if he's just appealing to the racists, the racists that are his supporters. Not all his supporters are racist. I'm saying that many of his supporters are. And I wonder if he's trying to appeal to them by sort of, um, I don't know, I guess highlighting President Obama's heritage or his background, the fact that he's black, the fact that he does have Kenyan roots on one side of his family. And I don't know, just sort of uh, poking that bear all over again. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's sort of related though. Because it's sort of related to his whole, you know, he wasn't born here kind of kind of narrative, yeah. which was inherently racist. And so it just makes me wonder, is he just trying to stoke the flames of like white nationalism? Um, I, I don't know. It, it doesn't I, make it doesn't make complete sense because he is bringing Obama's half brother on as a supporter of Trump. So that theory doesn't make complete sense. But it it's the only he's thing not even I've American. No, but isn't he half a isn't he doesn't he have dual citizens? No, he's just spends time here, right? I his think brother. So. I mean, regardless, like who's like Obama's not the one who's running for presidency again. Like, why That's would he bring true. his brother? But as an extension, well, it's all to psych everybody out at the end of the day, right? Anybody yeah. you bring. Like you're yeah. just you, you're, you're trying just, to yeah. put the idea that like something might happen and you're not prepared for it. But I think that just I mean, most of what he runs on is the fact that Hillary is an extension of Obama. Aside from the fact that she's apparently responsible right. for every bad thing that's ever happened in America. Right. Um, but I, I, you know, like Elisa, I kind of thought the same thing, too, because even if you're not like like full fledged racist, I think a lot of people that are Trump supporters, they just put a lot of pride and a lot of thought into just being American enough. And so anybody that fights for anything that's other than completely American is is not like doing as much as they can for this country because they they have ulterior motives. And like, that's the first thing that crossed my mind too. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah. Jeez. Well, moving over to Clinton. So not much controversy here. She is bringing Mark Cuban again. <laughs> that that's, that is kind of to psych Trump out a little bit, I think, cause they Trump and Cuban are at odds. And also, uh, HP CEO, Meg Whitman. Why the sigh, Elisa? I just I, I love that she's bringing Mark Cuban because um, Mark Cuban was pretty friendly with Donald Trump for a long time. I mean, they run in the same circles. They both do the same thing. Like they're entrepreneurs and they're very rich and they were very friendly. They actually did business together a few times. And Mark Cuban originally supported Trump for president. He actually said it would be nice to have a businessman in the White House um, and someone who just wasn't a career politician. But then when Donald Trump clearly went off the deep end, Cuban recanted his endorsement and backpedaled real far back. And now he's just full blown in support of Hillary and wants to do whatever he can to stop Trump. So I kind of love this because it's sort of like, you know, if you have like a breakup, it's almost like having a breakup with somebody or even like a breakup with a friend. And then that person like turns up at a party. Um, it's sort of awkward. And and if you're Donald Trump, it's a real hit to your ego. We all know how he doesn't like that. So, mm -mm. yeah. 
And over the past week, you know, it is funny. If if Trump wasn't such a disaster, Hillary really would be struggling harder right now um, up against like a serious candidate because all these emails keep link- leaking and there hasn't been any major bombshells. Of course, if you talk to conservatives, they, they will say there were, but there's nothing here that's really been insanely bad. Um, her speeches to um bankers and whatnot have been have been leaked by by wikileaks and there hasn't been anything major in in those um and now the the u.s government has been saying that yeah russia probably is involved here also credit to marco Q- uh, oh my god marco cubio marco rubio uh he he said i don't want to comment on the wikileaks emails at all because that could very easily be republicans and he's right but hmm, why isn't it the republicans it's as if yeah, somebody's because... trying to tear down Hillary. It's almost it's almost like Russia is influencing or trying to influence our elections by only leaking things from the Democratic campaign. It's right. almost like that. Right. Kind of kind of weird. Almost. But I do love like how Mark Cuban and even Condoleezza Rice this week show their endorsement for Hillary Clinton. Yeah. It's a uh, because, yeah, he called her, yeah, at one of his rallies recently, he called Condoleezza Rice. He said, like, she's a very lovely woman, but I think she's a bitch. And when CNN tried to get a statement from uh, Condoleezza Rice, she just responded, I can't wait until November 4th. 9th. 9th. Oh, yeah, that's when that's when I come to visit. Yeah, that's my <laughs> He can't wait for Matt to fly to D.C. <laughs> Uh, now, in fairness, in fairness, there wasn't there a tape though that was leaked of some behind the scenes, um, someone who was someone in the Democratic, the DNC who like runs some state campaigns, and he was talking about inciting Trump supporters. He was saying how part of his strategy was to get people yes. to go to to Trump rallies. And um, not 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 protest violently, but he was giving them tips for how you can get them to get violent first. Yeah. Uh, and, and then therefore, of course, it's terrible PR for Trump. There was a video about that that was leaked. But what's weird is that the guy who leaked it was someone named I think it's James O'Keefe. And O'Keefe is a notoriously discredited journalist because he was discovered to have doctored together a lot of video in the past um, and edit them together in a way that, that, that told a story that wasn't accurate. So he was fired from his job. No one will hire him because he was fabricating material. So this, this leaked video comes from him. So it does look pretty fucking bad, to be fair. Um, but I'm not sure how much I trust it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know either. I don't know either. A couple quick points to wrap up this segment slash show here. Um, I just wanted to observe that I saw photos of Hillary Clinton wearing all black leather the other day, and I thought she was very attractive. So I advise her to continue wearing that. I am shallow. And one more thing. Early voting has started uh, in a lot of states, actually, as of this week. And I'm just seeing a report here that at least 2.3 million people have already voted. I have my ballots in here right in front of me. I know Laura voted today. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited too. 
I'm doing absentee since I'll be in DC with the millennial people. I'm opening it right now. Do I get a sticker? <gasps> I get a sticker. Fun. Okay. Well, that's have all we have. I was like, have you been up to date on like the propositions and stuff in California? There's a lot. Yes. A lot of good stuff. Yeah, there's a proposition um, requiring condoms and porn. I am voting no on that. Just say no to condoms and porn, kids. No, I'm, I'm actually voting no, too, on that because there's actually already a law that requires uh, studios to um, in, um, have them get tested and such and if not use condoms but this this one this new uh proposition is going to be actually more more aggressive towards it to the point where you know we may not get as much porn as we've had before no the this the porn studios would just move out of the state it wouldn't be like a porn drought yeah well there there will be i think so but also there they're, people are not going to use condoms if they don't want to okay well there you go yeah, were you gonna say something, Elisa? I heard a. I was just gonna. I yeah, I was just gonna say to vote down ballot. We talk uh, a lot yeah. about the presidency, but uh, you know, legislation um, doesn't come from the executive branch. Um, so just make sure that you know, it literally takes you ten minutes to see who's running. Um, you can Google it and just like you know, look look at the fuck up, see who's running, and see like where they stand. Most newspapers, most major newspapers will feature all of the candidates for you. So, you know, if you live in L.A., go to the L.A. Times. I guarantee you they have a write-up on all the local candidates. Um, mm. You know, wherever you live, there's something like that. Check it out. It'll take – it really I, – I did it actually the other day. It took me five minutes. Hmm. Nice. Yeah. Do hmm. it. Do it. Pam, you live in California. Are you voting yes or no on condoms? <laughs> <laughs> I'll vote for whatever makes you happy. <laughs> no, um, so vote no. <laughs> vote no, no. No. That's so funny. No! Um, <laughs> you know, it'll be, actually, in all seriousness, the one I'm keeping track of is uh, Prop 63, which is backed by uh, my homeboy, Gavin Newsom, who used to be the mayor out here in San Francisco. Mm, mm, mm -hmm. yeah. Sexy Gavin. He wants background checks for ammunition. So Okay. Good. I like that. I wonder that. if that's going to be a question at the debate tonight, is where do you stand on condom use in porn? <laughs> One can only hope. I mean, it can't get any crazier oh, gosh. than that as well. It's addressed I... the real issues. It's actually kind of annoying how many topics have not been covered in these debates. I think we need, like, three more debates. We have haven't... they talked about Hillary's emails? Oh, maybe. If you want three more debates, just get Warner Brothers to run it, and I'm sure they'll get five. <laughs> well, that's the perfect way to end this episode. And after dark, it will not immediately be available like it normally is with the release of the main show. Elisa and I will be recording a post-debate thing. I would say analysis, but you know how it goes. Uh, we will <laughs> we will get thoughts of listeners. Maybe we'll consult you all on Twitter or in Facebook. So keep an eye on our social media channels, and we'll get your feedback there. This way, we can get something out to y'all with our thoughts on how the debate went and anything scandalous that happened i guess unfortunately i have to say that you can pledge to our patreon at patreon.com slash millennial where you will be able to listen to this bonus this this edition of after dark and uh it's never been easier to listen you can add an rss feed um to your podcasting app and 
After Dark, hashing it out. Other bonus audio material we release. It will be brought to your podcasting app easily, just like any other podcast. It's great. Our outro music, Elisa suggested before we even started the show. That's how prepared mm-hmm. we were this week. Lady Gaga. Perfect illusion, which which really sums up everything right now. Oh. I really sums up what Donald Trump is trying to sell us about this election right now. <laughs> right. Pam, thanks for joining us. It's always so great to have you on. And I'm glad we ha- actually had you on for uh, Lady Gaga because you know what's up with music. You're you're very down with, with the music scene. I'm down with the music. That you're down are. with the kids. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for now. <laughs> well, thanks for having me, guys. I always have a good time with you. Yeah. And um, we were talking about Fantastic Beasts. Pam actually hosts a podcast on Hypeable called Hype with selena and a couple other people over there and i'm sure you'll be talking about fantastic piece and more we already yeah we already have i think this is like the last time i have to cover this five movies (laughs) (laughs) oh no it's not gonna be the last one by a long shot (laughs) because i'm inviting you on the muggle cast tomorrow yay (laughs) (laughs) thanks everybody for listening i'm andrew i'm elisa i'm matt and i'm pamela see everybody next time goodbye Ah. Uh-huh.